Hello! On Saturday, February 18th, 2023, I sat down for a YouTube live stream on the New Edge Sword and Sorcery YouTube channel with Gemma Files to discuss horror and sword and sorcery on no less than the 100th anniversary, birthday, whatever you want to call these things, of Weird Tales magazine where sword and sorcery was born. It was pretty fun, but not everybody is into watching live streams, so I thought I would chuck it up here, unedited, just pretty much what we said, as a little bonus for y'all. Please enjoy this, and please consider backing and sharing the Kickstarter. Okay, so uh, I, 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 Oliver Brackenbury, I'm here with Gemma Files. Hello, Gemma. Thanks for joining hey. us today. Uh, thanks for asking me. Um, you know, I'm always happy to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I remember from when we spoke about haunted houses uh, on, uh, on the Worlds of the Mirror Collection. And as a talker from a family of talkers, mm -hmm. I, I respect it and I love it. And I have this open in another tab, which I'm hearing echoing my voice. So I'm going to close mm -hmm. that tab because okay. I'm a professional. Yeah. It's a good idea. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, folks. This is only my second live stream. I'm still figuring out the nitty gritty of it. But I believe it involves talking and you guys hearing and you guys also being able to ask questions in the comments if you want to do that. Uh, we've got our uh, you know engineer host mega dude, Kevin, uh, is, is managing that side of things. And uh, when there's an appropriate gap, he'll throw uh, the questions up on the screen so we can all see them. And Jen and I will see what we can do to address them. But okay. what is our topic today, Oliver? Well, uh, Oliver. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I thought since it is the 100th anniversary of Weird Tales magazine, the magazine in which Sword Sorcerer is born and born with huge overlap with horror and actually sci-fi and suspense and other genres. But I always think of horror as kind of the main sibling of the fantasy elements uh, in that uh, lovely subgenre, which I've got a whole magazine going on about, which, by the way, there's a Kickstarter in case you guys somehow are aware of this live stream and not aware there's a Kickstarter. We're almost at 75%. So Get on in there, throw your money at us. Uh, you'll get a cool magazine in return. Um, but yes, given it's the 100th anniversary of Weird Tales, and given that Gemma is going to be uh, contributing a story to our table of contents, you know, she's not just somebody I knew. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, if you even just glance at her bibliography, like, she knows horror. Uh, I thought it'd be fun for us to chat about these things today. And, and Gemma, I will, I will open by pointing out I probably would have thought to reach out to you anyway, because I love your book, Experimental Film. I love your, I like your work in general. I really like chatting with you, which I find is a good indicator that you'll probably be a good person to work with. Um, but also, um, I was very amused to see on Facebook around the same time I was thinking, oh, you know, I want to get some more horror chops into the magazine. Who am I going to reach out to? And I saw on Facebook, you were putting up sketches of characters from House of Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um <laughs> Oh, man. Hot D. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have a huge love of sword and sorcery, and I've had a huge love of it for, um, you know, pretty much my entire life. Um, and I, I mean, I will point out that, you know, the, the whole weird and weird tales, yes, the absolutely, absolutely the overlap is between horror and science fiction and 
and fantasy. Um, but I also think that even just innate within uh, the phrase sword and sorcery, you know, the sorcery involved is rarely, oh, let's make butterflies. You know? Yeah, or, or I've got like a plus one wand with three charges and we know <laughs> yeah. the rules for exactly how this works. And yeah, no exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, instead it's it's usually, you know, oh, I, I fell down this hole and I found a snake god and, you know, um, or <laughs> so, uh, or like the beginning of Kenneth Lee's um, uh, Companions on the Road mm. um, where uh, a huge dark um city has just been overthrown and used and was you know was ruled by a witch king and his two children <laughs> and oh you know and then we fell down a hole and we found this huge gold cup that used to hold blood sacrifices and pretty soon we were being pursued by ghosts <laughs> exactly right like it's, it's dark and terrible there's there's usually a horrible yeah. cost for those who experiment with it yeah exactly. and you know, that's I, I the way talking... I like it. That's the way I like it. Oh, ha the Colossus of Eloran, for example, mm -hmm. by Clark Ashton Smith. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> in which, uh, <laughs> in which a necromancer uh, is has been killed, uh, executed, and his cult of um, you know necromancy students get together yes. and melts down corpses to make a gigantic golem made out of corpse fat which they then um you know reanimate their dead master inside of so they can just yeah. cut all the people who got him killed <laughs> <laughs> um well actually so okay so you mentioned Tanith Lee, you mentioned clark ashton smith yes. uh, who who was your sort of gateway drug for sword and sorcery and, and how young you know were you 10 were you was it last week like when did when did you fall down the, the uh, rabbit hole of sword and sorcery i probably fell down the sword and sorcery hole when i was around um yeah i'd say i'd say like 9 10 11 um and uh i used to be able to walk up to a um uh, secondhand bookstore and uh, I would go up there and um, you know things were a lot cheaper back then and you know buy like five books for for five dollars and um, they would always be you know at one point my dad was like it's like yeah pick out pick out a bunch of books you know pick out whatever you want when I was visiting him in Australia and I came back with a bunch of books and he was like, why are these all about sex and violence? <laughs> I'm like, you know, cause like, yeah, that's the good I, stuff. I guess you don't know me very well, <laughs> you know? but yes. Um, you know, all the stuff that I was interested in was pretty much always, you know, it's like, does it have, uh, a mainly naked woman covered in golden jewels on the front you know, uh, is there a person with a big sword? Um, does it look like it has horrible dark magic? Is it sort of like archaeology, but sort of not? Um, so, yeah, I would say that, you know, my gateway drug actually was probably Edgar Rice Burroughs. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. And so I started off by reading all the Of Mars books, hmm. um, and like John Carter of Mars. Uh, basically and, planet, yeah. yeah and and then I moved on to anything else that had a Rosetta cover on it um found Tanif Lee found uh Michael Moorcock 
um, particularly the Chronicles of Coram. Mm. Uh, I found Robert E. Howard um, and the people who after afterwards were doing like Howard-esque stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I'd say that all of those people kind of contributed to my love of sword and sorcery. But, you know, always, you know, I was always looking for what called to me. And yes, that was sex and that was violence, but it was also um, things where women were, you know, centered rather than just lying around going, ah, you know? <laughs> um, well, and funny we... enough, Howard is, Howard is actually pretty, uh, pretty good for that <laughs> because often, you know, Conan will run across some woman and she's not exactly uh, a, a shrinking violet. No, Valeria and Red Nails, oh Believe the Pirate yes. Queen. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw when of... she was whipping you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I or uh, we were just talking about this before um, we went live, yeah. but you were expressing admiration for Robert E. Howard's Swordwoman uh, yes. stories. Dark Agnes still a fair. Um, and I remember I came across her before I came across C.L. Moore's Jewel of Joyry. Mm. Um, and in fact, as I recall, there was an introduction to the copy of Swordwoman that I had, um, which collected all of the Dark Agnes stories, uh, where they recommended Jewel of Joyry, but they said nice. it was very different. And Jewel of Joyry is, of course, probably best known uh, as being the protagonist of Dark God's Kiss. Oh, and God's that Kiss, yeah. is a total crossover between horror and fantasy, horror and sword and sorcery. Yeah, um, I always uh, think of Gerald Jury, I, I think of her as kind of Alice in Wonderland with like a big sword. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's always, in all but one of her stories, and arguably even that one exception, uh, which is a bit more gothic, very quickly she finds herself in another world. She's ostensibly 14th century French warlord right. war lady, but we never really see her doing that. We see no. her just going whoop, and falling into a realm underneath the castle that happens to be a gateway to hell. Awesome. Yep. Uh, or chasing after a wizard, uh, you know, through a portal, and then whoop, and she were in the weird wizard realm immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and pretty much always it's like, um, you know, something wants to marry you. You know, it's probably the devil. Um, you know, she's like, no, I am the Lady of Joyry. You know, I must get back to my castle. You know. Um, it's uh there's there's just it's like there's you know there's a grim fairy tales aspect to it mm -hmm. um there's a grim dark historical aspect to it you know people are always getting killed people are always you know um uh besieging castles and you know conducting uh some kind of war you know they're mercenaries they're pirates oh god billet <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, speaking of a character who got one story, but people have wanted more yeah. of her ever since. And there's been comic miniseries and, of course, fan fiction. Those comics are amazing. Yeah. 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 I read the first few and really enjoyed them. Oh, they're incredible. Yeah. You know, and there's just like something so, um, so gorgeous about, you know, this, this, you know, this fearsome, um, fearsome Jewish pirate girl you know it's just like I really love killing people <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Well, and getting to see her get more adventures, right? Exactly. Because, uh, you know, her, she she basically dies to serve Conan's narrative in that story, and like, fine, once in a while, it's going to happen. But yeah, and it was and nice to see and to more. be frank, also, she uh, she dies to serve the narrative that you know, if you get uh, a um, uh, a Shemite lady and a bunch of jewels in the same yeah <laughs> in the same vicinity, then you know, it's like suddenly. Yeah. Well, Hong Kong, it was written in the 30s. Hong but Kong <laughs> that's why Hong it's Kong nice indeed. Be... But, you know, again, <laughs> it's like mm, there, are, there are plenty of people who there are plenty of people who certainly would not be like, um, I'm going to I'm going to use a, a character who is overtly overtly Jewish, um, mm. but also make her sexy and amazing and um you know the love of conan's life yeah Central. yeah yeah no i mean the, this is the thing about you know going back to the classic stuff like howard like there if it was if it was just a collection of old attitudes we wouldn't still be talking about yeah them. exactly uh, there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on there yeah um, um oh and uh oh uh yeah jessica amanda Salmonson's um amazons amazons yes yeah. uh i read that fairly early on as well um, which got me into, uh, God, who's the guy? The no. guy who um, did the DeSoye uh, Charles story? Saunders. Yes, Charles Saunders. Yeah. yeah, and that was the first time that I ever read about the, you know, the the, the Amazons of Dahomey. Um, and yeah, Like Sword and Soul, some, some stuff rooted in African cultures instead of yeah. medieval, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, one of the things that I absolutely loved about Samuelson was that she was looking specific. Oh, shit. And of course, <laughs> she she of whom we do not speak anymore. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. Marion Zimmer Bradley. I yeah. I fell into a free box of sword and sorceress collections mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I've given zero dollars to anybody. Yeah. And there's a lot of neat names in here. Mercedes Lackey, you know, oh, a, fuck a big yeah. boost out of that. Yeah. Uh, for example. Um, and it's been interesting going through that. And Saunders is in there as well, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. So, you know, at this point, well, sure. Uh, but yes, yeah, well, so this is the thing. I mean, you know, uh, you begin with stuff that spins off of like medieval France, medieval wherever. It spins off of, um, you know, the Conan the Barbarian model. Uh, and But pretty quickly, even... In Conan, he's sort of like, you know, and then I went here and fought, and then I went here and fought, and then I went here and fought. And every time Howard is like bringing in cultures that he finds cool, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty soon you're in Mongolia, pretty soon you're in, you know, pretty soon you're in Persia, pretty soon you're, yeah, in, you're, you're you know, in Iran, I mean, Turan, you're yeah. in, you know, yeah, exactly, so on, right? like all these animals. And, um, you know, uh, and and that was the other thing that I found with Samson and even with Bradley, that there were there were lashings of other cultures. There were, you know, it's like let's take this sort of vague model and stick it in a bunch of different places. And actually, as I recall, it was in a Sword and Sorceress that I ran across. Um, God, was it Tears of the Moon? Uh, which was one of the first openly queer or queer-ish um, sword and sorcery stories that I ever came across. Oh, interesting. Um, I haven't found that one uh, yet because uh, I, I got a whole box I'm still working through. But uh, oh, <laughs> the Scar moon. on the Moon. It's, it was the Scar on the Moon. The Scar on the Moon. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Where, you know, the, the questing hero is female and the person she's up against is uh, a bisexual uh, evil king um, who has like uh, a, a boyfriend kneeling at his feet when he first meets her. And he's sort of attracted to her because he thinks he's, he thinks she's a guy. And then he's uh -huh. still attracted to her when he figures out she's not a guy. <laughs> and it was like, oh, catnip. <laughs> it's like, give me more, give me more. Awesome. Jeez, so, yeah, you know, um, my my liking has always been for stuff like that. So, of course, House of the Dragon is totally my my meat because, you know, Targaryens and Starks, the, the two barbarian bunches of Westeros. Um, and, you know, the two people, the two groups of people who are most allied with magic as well wow. uh, and most allied with their animal sigils. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just fucked up people who make fucked up decisions because That's they want the best people to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm going to marry my niece. <laughs> yeah, this will have no problems. That's, uh, norm yeah. That's normal. That's totally normal. What is wrong with you? Well, and speaking of the, the Targaryens and, and, and tying the past and the present and yes. potential futures all together, yes. you know, you've read Moorcock and you mentioned Corum, but I'm guessing you've at least uh, dabbled in Elric. Uh, yes. and, and so looking at Matt Smith in his full armor, uh, looking as he does in House of the Dragon, oh, boy, yeah. oh boy, oh do you boy, feel oh like Moorcock should be getting a royalty check or something yeah, uh, for the Elric of it all? Mm. And the Targaryens in general kind of make you think of the Melnibanaeans with their, you know, yeah, I mean, that's Extremely the other thing, decadence, yeah. right? <laughs> decadence. Um, yes. You know, uh, from an early age, I've been very into uh, decadent art. Mm. Um, and, you know, always running across stuff and going, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and then it would in inevitably turn turn out to have been, you know, painted around the turn of the, the 20th century. Um so forgive me if I'm I'm uh, putting my yeah. foot in my mouth and I've I've missed something in your bibliography, but have you done much in the way before? I yes, you're very much a horror veteran. How much, or if at all, have you dabbled in writing sword and sorcery before? Now I really haven't dabbled a lot okay. in writing in sword and sorcery. I would say that you know, I mean, in a weird way, uh, my hexlinger stuff is kind of akin to sword and sorcery because westerns are kind of akin to sword and sorcery in a weird way you know like well some, well, some people yeah i mean howard yeah. a lot of frontier uh, justice kind of stuff uh, yeah so exactly you know, it's like you're roaming you know the um uh, you're moving from place to place um your horizon between get, civilization and not yeah you know? exactly yeah between yeah between the, the fall of a civilization and the rise of a civilization um and uh it's it's not that being a gunslinger is not that different from being a mercenary um and really merc you know mercenaries and questers are like the uh uh the two backbones of sword and sorcery narrative um but uh and i did uh four pirate stories um which again are somewhat like sword and sorcery, but actually I think the thing that I've done that's closest to sword and sorcery, very few people would have um, come across. Uh, <laughs> my friends and I uh, made up a shared world um, and uh, called Naruk, uh, which was undergoing a huge revolution 
Um, Naruk is like full of people who uh, are pantheists of one type or another. And mm -hmm. then uh, there is a huge uniting church that tries to occupy the continent and um, get rid of everybody else's gods. Mm. Uh, and so, of course, you get many, many different you know, types of people uh, uniting against them. And I made up a, a city, <laughs> a sort of, a sort of city-state run by dark magic um, and creepy and weird and full of cannibalism and, you know, mm -hmm. strange shit. Um, and wrote about four four stories that took place in that. Um, I'm negotiating right now to uh, collect those in a in a collection and um, probably write at least one novella to try and bring, you know, uh, like Tanithly, the early stuff that I wrote was mainly um, linked short stories. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the point would be to write a novella that would bring the, that set of linked short stories, uh, and there's about four of them, to a conclusion. Okay, and yeah, kind of connects things, I, I bet. I mean, yeah. you know, to me, um, from a publishing side, that is very sword and sorcery, because I think of how, you know, other people came in later and did it with Howard's work because he died at 30. Um, yeah. But uh, but then I think of, say, Fritz Leiber uh, and Moorcock both. At oh, yeah. Career, go you know i wasn't planning a big grand continuity but now i'm thinking i'd like one so i'm gonna try and you know stick, yeah. do stitch ups right yeah absolutely um, yeah and... no and it's a very appealing thing like i i'm not to talk about me but i i i'm running a novel right now which is uh, i'm pretending i've had a long career and i'm now doing a stitch up <laughs> it's gonna be like 17 sto short stories and there is a kind of linear chronology but i'm trying to write it so you can be airdropped into any one story as if you just picked up that week's magazine i, or I love that model i absolutely yeah. love that model um you know, and there's, uh, and that is in a lot of ways the weird tales model. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it's like, oh, Howard Lovecraft. I, I really liked that story. Can you write me something else that's kind of like that? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and sometimes when an editor says that, you you get Elric because that's where he came from, right? It was yeah, an editor exactly. that came to Morcock and was like, "Can you give me some Conan stuff?" And Morcock was like, "I don't know. Maybe I'll turn him completely inside out and make him albino and decadent, and civilized, and dependent on drugs." And then, well, the rest is history. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Would you say that the sort of short uh, and episodic nature of sword and sorcery is part of why uh, it appeals to you? Yes. Yeah, I would say that. In fact, um, and. You know, the way that you can uh, you can build a person across many different points in their life. And to some degree, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a TV series, isn't it? You know, it's like um, you you have movement, but it's not the type of intense forward movement uh, that you get in a novel or a movie, yeah. you know, um, even if you have like, I don't know, a trilogy of movies or a trilogy of books, it's intense forward movement. And this is more like meandering forward movement. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, here's a bottle episode. Here's a bottle yeah, story. It, it feels, it feels like know, parting of the veils, getting yeah. a glimpse of this point and then closing the veil and moving elsewhere maybe. Yeah, Other exactly. Say, just like keeping the door, keeping the curtains open the whole time and just like, okay, we're going to go from birth to death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, and there's always this uh, sense with, sword and sorcery and with linked stories generally that uh the character continues to exist out there in the world 
Yep. You know, um, we know uh, we have like a sketch of Conan's life, you know, um, that he began as a thief and a reaver and, a, you know, and a mercenary um, and wandered all over the place. And then eventually he ends up as a, as a king and a conqueror. Um, and just but, even like, well, these are the stories perhaps he's telling as an old king <laughs> of how his version <laughs> of how things went for him, yeah, you know, which exactly. I love. Yeah, I love that idea. It's just he's like, yeah, no, I killed like ten guys with my pinky finger. It was awesome. That's right. And like, yeah, and they were civilized you... people, and naturally, I had no no idea what they were talking about. So <laughs> I had to kill some people to get away. <laughs> yeah, like in all his courtiers, just like yes, yes. And then, like, <laughs> you killed ten guys with your pinky finger. Um, and and you know, if I can sort of wrench it right back around to horror for a second, absolutely. Um, part of the part of I think the appeal of the storytelling model you and I are talking about with like dropping in and out of points in a character's life is because it leaves more unspoken than what is spoken, leaving room for our imaginations to add a greater sense of wonder. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want fantasy to be fantastic? And similarly, horror. Yes. I you tell me what's scarier, Gemma. Is it scarier to catch a silhouette and have an idea that something's gonna eat you? Or is it is it more interesting to read a textbook about the monster and know that if you touch its left kneecap at two AM on a Wednesday, it dies. So you just have to hold out till two AM on a Wednesday. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh it's always um, you know, the, the idea of um the lacuna, you know, the yeah. idea of what's not shown, um, is always more interesting to me than what's absolutely shown. And, you know, part of, um, you know, when I first, <laughs> when I was a really fairly little kid, um, the first thing that I was really into was history and archaeology and, um, oh, and C.S. Lewis. But, uh, but, you know, what, one of the things that I, I figured out that I liked about history and archaeology um, was that there's a lot of places where people just stop and they, they're like, okay, so we know this. We think maybe this might be true. We're not absolutely sure because there's a whole bunch of stuff missing here. Yeah. Between here and here, you know, who are the Hyksos? You know, it's like, we're the... <laughs> You know, or, the, like, or the real life Sumerians. I believe there's a lot of questions about them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of questions about most things. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of um, sort of uh, this makes sense to me. Um, it's it's almost like it's almost like poetry or or mythology, indeed. Hmm. Um, because that was another thing that I was very into, uh, the Dolaires, um, oh, uh, Norse gods, yeah, Norse gods and giants and, um, and the, and the Greek gods, uh, mm -hmm. books by the Dolaires. Um, and, you know, what, what are the stories that we tell ourselves and, uh, what are we sketching with those stories? You know, um, it, well, and, and I'm, I'm curious about your take on, uh, like, I feel one of the really interesting tensions for me with sword and sorcery is, like sometimes people will say the difference between a sword and sorcery story and a horror story is like, especially you know, say a old Lovecraftian horror story, which would be sort of contemporary to the classic stuff. You know, in Lovecraft, you tend to go gibbering mad, get eaten, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Conan would face something comparable, and though he would be afraid because he didn't fully understand it, mm -hmm. he would press forward nonetheless and try and survive and fight back even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or so, I, yeah, I mean, think about the god in the bowl, right? Mm. You know, um, if if a Lovecraftian hero found literally a god in a bowl, 
he would look at the god and go insane and um you know the bowl would just sit there Uh, and (laughs) conan on the other hand uh grabs the god in the bowl and cuts its head off and um you know and and then goes wow i guess i was a god (laughs) i freaked up (laughs) <laughs> you know, I can't remember the I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. I'm sure somebody maybe watching uh, can tell us in the chat, but I believe there was a um, round robin or whatever you call it, where one author writes a page and yes. then passes on to the next author. Yes. And Lovecraft and Howard took part in one of those, and yes. Lovecraft came before Howard. He wrote something where it was like the protagonist winds up on a world of big, weird, freaky bugs, and he gets turned into one. Yes. Oh no! And, what are you going to do? Then, and then Howard writes him taking over the world of freaky bugs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like a freaky like, bug with like a, like a world cutlass. of freaky bugs. <laughs> oh, and Kevin is helping us out in the chat here. The challenge from beyond. Yes, yes, that was the called. challenge from beyond. Um, <laughs> oh, I've seen art for that. I just love the art of this big sort of uh, putrid fly person, but holding a cutlass like, <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, and again, there's there's something that's really uh, there's something that's really pleasant about the, you know, and later when I stumbled across Wuxia movies. Hmm. Um, uh, from Hong Kong, uh, this was another thing that uh, that appealed to me. You know, it's like these things can end happily or they can end unhappily. To be frank, they often end unhappily or weirdly tragically or like crazily tragically. But mm-hmm. you know, um, even in a world which involves uh, you know elaborate politics that you don't really understand and you know, um, strange machinations. Uh, and, you know, the, the idea is that you can potentially cut yourself free, free of it, literally. <laughs> you can potentially, yeah. you know. Um, just, say, not every time. Uh, you know, there's yeah. at least a couple of Conan stories, including Tower of the Elephant. Yeah. By the end of it, Conan's just kind of like, huh. Oh, well, um, okay. <laughs> that was messed up. Uh, so, that was a, so that was a guy with an elephant head from another dimension. Um, yeah, the universe is bigger than I realized. Yeah, okay. the universe is huge. Well, you know, my brain is small, so I'm just gonna not think about that. And so, <laughs> like, and so, I I think I, there's this tension. I I am a know. landless man. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a, there is, I think, um, a ten, an interesting tension for exploring not only in the story itself, but looking at the writing craft side. I'd love to get your ten cents on where. Go on. Okay, so horror very much works better the less you know the more we yeah. can suggest and, and get the reader to do the work almost for you uh so to speak yeah. uh, it sounds like i'm saying horror authors are lazy i'm not no, uh, no, not. But, uh, not even close but um and then sword and sorcery which has this sort of horror uh half genus or whatever going on is also half action proactive get in That's there right, see what's yeah. going on you know what's yeah. happening my hand is hitting this thing whatever and so writing it uh, i i have found in my limited experience i'm curious to hear how you feel about it it's like a constant gut check situation where you have to say to yourself, well, I want to show enough like pushing forward, lunging forward into the light with the sword, doing the thing, the action mm-hmm. proactive. But if I go too hard with that, I'm going to make the mysterious, weird, unknowable sorcery side of it less interesting. Yes. So, but if I go too hard the other way, I'm going to make my protagonist not proactive enough, and then it'll be kind of closer to a straight horror story or just like, you know, people kind of complain that your, your hero's not doing much. So like, how do you... Well, I, I, th- I think that? it helps to have like um, more than one person in the story <laughs> to have, you know, I mean, think about the Fafford and the Grey Mouser, um, you know, yeah. idea from Fritz Lieber, uh, you know, to have two people who are close enough to have an affinity to each other, but 
different enough to be able to argue with each other and to suggest things that the other person may not might not think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know there's a model. Uh, you know, there, there's a model um, of, you know, two people we, who came to kick each other's asses and then something else comes out of the shadows and they're like, okay, for now, we're going <laughs> yeah. to unite and kick the ass of this other thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or just try to get out of here so that later we can kick each other's asses, <laughs> you know, there's something that's, that's very um, effective and uh, attractive about that model. I'm not saying that's where I'm going with my with the story that I'm roughing out right now, but um, it's certainly something that, <clears throat> that I've come across on many occasions and really enjoyed. Mm. Um, and even the idea inherent in sword and sorcery that often you have um, a partnership or, or an antagonist ship um, between a person who is mainly sword and a person who is mainly sorcery. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, you mentioned Tanith Lee earlier. I have to yeah. say, I've been doing my best to get caught up on all the classics these last few years. I've been taking advantage of the Merrill Collection in Toronto. For those of you who don't know, it's the Western Hemisphere's largest uh, speculative fiction archive that is publicly available. You just need a library card. And so that's how I've been able to read all kinds of out-of-print stuff mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But despite intense study, etc., I have not yet actually scraped uh, the surface of Tanith Lee. Okay, yeah, the, the thing that I would things. suggest for you yeah. in terms of sword and sorcery with uh, the stuff that she wrote, uh, she wrote a uh, series of, of stories, linked stories, um, involving one character uh, called Syrian. And uh, Syrian, C-Y-R-I-O-N, oh, yes, yes. is a an interesting character because he is a... Um, you know, he, he definitely is like, he's in that private eye mode, uh, private eye with the sword kind of mode, you know, where he's going from place to place and people will be like, you know, oh, Siri and I have this problem. Can you help me with it? Um, but he he's very antithetical to the Conan mold because he's, you know, uh, kind of, you know, blonde and pretty and a bit, um, a bit effeminate and very analytical. And very much a, uh, I would say, like a Lyman character before Lyman, uh, Dorothy Dunnett's Lyman books, um, or better yet, uh, almost a Percy Blakeney character um, from uh, the the Scarlet Pimpernel, you know, like a guy who's kind of making himself look dumber than he actually is, and uh, more venial than he actually is, and more, you know, it's like, uh, oh, a charming, you know. Uh, people start down. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then suddenly you're like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, no, this dude. Yeah, this this dude has a lot going on, and you know, and is steelier and more vicious than you expect him to be in mm-hmm. the in the crux of things. But yeah, I think you would. Uh, I think you'd probably enjoy those. Okay, thank that's you. A, yeah, that's man. a good place to start. Um, yeah, particularly... anybody watching who doesn't, doesn't know Tanithalee because I, I think she's getting reprinted a bit lately, but mm-hmm. I, I, I do. Uh, a lot I've of heard it sounds being like being imprinted is the um, uh, the Tales of the Flat Earth, um, mm-hmm. Night's Master, uh, Death's Master, um, Delirium's Master, Delirium's Mistress, 
Um, and those are wonderful books, um, but they are more in the mold of, I'd say, The Thousand and One Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main characters tend to be, you know, gods. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, they, they, they err on the sorcery side of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some, um, yeah, uh, they're super queer. And, uh, and super odd, super weird, you know, it's like the weird is definitely, is definitely strong with those, with those stories. Um, I would also suggest that you, that you read those. Um, well, I'm into the weird. I mean, I, I've, I've not gone as deep as I'd like yet, yeah. but I have really enjoyed what I've Night's Master is pretty great. And Death's Master is also really wonderful. Um, I would, yeah, you know, I'd recommend almost everything. Uh, that she's written. Okay. Oh, um, oh sorry, we're it's getting uh, coffee. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my husband giving me coffee. Oh, well, very nice. Um, yeah, I was going to say I, I haven't read as much as I'd like yet, but I've really enjoyed what I've read so far. Say Clark Ashton Smith, who is also very much not the Conan model, and I think that kind of oh no, <laughs> yeah, oh, no, because his stuff is like uh, super decadent and super strange. And... Yeah, and, and tends to like I, I the story I think most of from what I've read is the Dark Eidolon, where that wizard young wizard gets stepped on by a rich guy's horse and is like, Well, I'm dedicating the rest of my life to <laughs> yeah. becoming an incredibly powerful necromancer and I'm gonna ensure you have a, hor- a horrific, ironic death and it's gonna be the worst. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Went... Or or Island of the Necromancers. Um yeah. you know, <laughs> or Island of the Torturers, even better. <laughs> <laughs> which gets a reference in, in dark eidolon actually uh but so there you go the love of the shared universe within your stories whether or not you're necessarily planning yeah, it yeah yeah um, where everything is just like oh don't go over there Fuck. yeah yeah definitely don't go over there either you know it's like he's he's very he's very into you know uh worms growing out of tombs and you know uh you know my my girlfriend is a vampire <laughs> you know, stuff like that but just relatable so everyday problems range yeah so strange right but but what's fun is with him like mm. i feel like he is so different from the ur text of the conan stuff oh but fuck yeah still if you think about it for a minute you kind of go like actually all the elements are here it's just being you know some of them are like the levels are up here and some of them yeah. are down as opposed to over here i i feel like sword and sorcery is an incredibly flexible genre it is and people think of it as not being flexible but it is yeah. actually infinitely flexible Um, which, you know, in, in that way, um, makes it very much like horror because, you know, I always say that, uh, whenever people say, um, (laughs) I, I remember one time I was at, uh, a, uh, a candlelit kind of festival, um, and somebody came up to me and said, oh, you're Gemma Files, you write horror, right? And I said, yes. And they would, and they got this really weird look on their face and went, why? <laughs> it's like, what do you write? Why? And did they explain that question? No, was not it at they all. Horror um, was very limited, as, as far as I can tell, it's the usual thing where it's like horror. Oh, horror! It's it's the intersection of gore and porno streets, right? Yeah, that's that's what you know. Horror, like hostile, right? You know, or horror, like Friday the 13th, right? Which is fine. That's okay. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ, Stephen Graham Jones is kind of writing, you know, slasher fiction, but he's turning it inside out and he's tweaking it and he's doing all sorts of really fascinating stuff with it. 
And he's even got a sort of sorcery story coming out in an anthology, Yay! by the way. <laughs> nice. I would so totally read that. I mean, I love the fact that Laird Barron is like a total sword and sorcery guy. Yep, you know, yep. weird. I mean, you know, we're all weird fiction people, but, you know. But I think there's a, like, he's just for the proof that there's a lot of potential and I think it's starting to get tapped into. I mean, we're, we're going to do it, hopefully. Uh, but also uh, him and uh, Haley Piper both have a horror stories in an anthology whose name has escaped me because I'm uh, tired and dumb. But it's happening, man. And yeah. like, if you Google uh, something you might enjoy uh, after we stop this, and, and listeners, readers, watchers, whoever you are, uh, <laughs> may also enjoy. He did a great essay on his uh, growing up on Conan and what it meant to him. Yeah, that makes I mean, it very a lot clear, of like he gets it. A lot of us have this overlap of you know loving um, private eye kind of mystery stories, loving uh, noir, loving hard boiled stuff, um, mm. loving uh, loving metal, you know. <laughs> loving metal music, you know, which has like a huge subgenre of sword and sorcery type metal, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big baby. I don't listen to metal, but I am well aware of the huge overlap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, uh, and uh, in the art even, right? Yeah, There's a lot of like metal exactly, artists from like, the 70s you know, with, uh, you know, sword sorcery covers that art that just got reused as their like van art. The ladies covered in swords. It's covered in golden jewels with swords, you know, exactly, like and exactly. and uh, and a skull in your crotch, you know. It's like, um... Best place for a skull, I guess. But uh... <laughs> I I uh, I used to do this thing on uh, back when I was on Tumblr uh, a lot more than I am now. I do still have a Tumblr, but I I just don't do much. It's with a bit quieter it. there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, I would find very sword and sorcery kind of um. Uh, art and posted and uh, underneath I would put the hashtag um, occupation evil queen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know and I think I think it goes back to that I think it goes back to you know I, I want my occupation to be evil queen you know well you know uh, I, I, was, I knew they made a dress for the job you want joke but I'm not that sounds like a weird <laughs> suggestion um, but yeah um so okay, so we're, we're as we're chunking along here, we've we've talked a lot about the history of sword and sorcery and yeah. its overlap with horror. I'm curious, you know, I'm sure you've spent a few minutes thinking about the possible stories that can be told in the realm of horror, and I'm guessing you've also had those thoughts maybe about sword and sorcery, especially as you're having them right now, looking mm -hmm. at writing a story. Yes. What, you know, uh, newest sword and sorcery, a big part of its whole remit is not just, uh, although this is a very big part of it, um, making the genre sort of. Uh, broader and friendlier, more inclusive to people outside of, frankly, my own personal demo, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. but also uh, trying to experiment with how far you can push those sort of boundaries while still keeping the genre recognizable, which I would say is quite far. Yeah. Uh, is there anything, you know, after having read all that lovely stuff that we've been talking about for the last while, um, is there anything that you would really love to see more of or see at all? Uh, maybe you haven't seen it before uh, in Sword and Sorcery? <sighs> And the, the um, horror intersection of it? A lot of people think of sword and sorcery as uh, a kind of Dungeons and Dragons type model. And um, I, I am interested in the same way that I was interested during the very brief period where I, um, where I actually played Dungeons and Dragons uh, in doing what I do with everything, which is to, uh, you know, make my, my party up entirely of villains and monsters. Mm 
you know, villains, anti-heroes and monsters, um, you know, people who are not trustworthy, <laughs> people who are not and, and people who are, you know, not um, recognizably, you know, uh, necessarily human. Um, have you ever read stuff going lose, on? Before I lose it, have you ever yeah. read Jack Vance's Dying Earth novels, in particular the stories with Kugel the Clever? No, actually, I haven't. Well, you might enjoy uh, books two and three of the four book series are all centered on this roguish guy named Hugel. And he's he's a, he's a villain who's forced mm. into adventuring circumstances and might be right up your alley. Anyway, please continue. Just I didn't want to lose that. Thought. Anyway, so, you know, I mean, uh, so you know, some of the things that I'm um, messing around with, uh, for example, recently I saw uh, the movie Medieval, um, which is about Jan, Jan Zizka. <laughs> basically it's like young Jan Zizka um and uh one of the uh who if if you don't if you don't know was there. like uh the big general of the Hussite wars okay yeah and um so the Hussite wars uh broke out because um Jan Hus who was uh one of the uh even before Luther was one of the sort of proto-protestant thinkers of bohemia um was was burned alive uh you know, it was one of those things where he was he was excommunicated twice for basically saying you know no people should be allowed to make up their own minds about you know god and what god wants <laughs> and people should be allowed to you know read the bible and shit <laughs> it's like uh, you, you don't necessarily need a um you know priests to as as intermediaries between you and god um and uh, yeah, he was excommunicated, excommunicated twice, um, left Bohemia, and then stupidly came back, and then was arrested and burned alive. And um, so when Jan Zizka, who was a mercenary um, and, and a soldier, uh, heard about this, he was like, son of a bitch must pay. <laughs> and, um, and got together a, an army which was largely composed of peasants using things like flails and other you know, and scythes and whatever they had um, uh, and basically started attacking the uh, attacking uh, the, the the current king of Bohemia who was also the king of Hungary and uh, and the uh, and the Roman Empire Emperor at the time the Holy Roman Emperor <laughs> and uh, you know um, fought off uh an entire a huge army of um teutonic knights at one point uh lost both his eyes and um uh and even when he was blind was still such a good strategist that he never lost a battle jesus so that's a you compelling know. character so yeah. so you watched the movie medieval so i watched the movie medieval and i was like um you know i would like to do uh, to have a character who actually believes in something <laughs> that, but but something that you would not expect them to believe in so i'm i'm interested in that um almost like uh almost like a oh god that character that howard did solomon the kane solomon kane almost like the, solomon the Puritan, kane. yeah yeah exactly so like a like a you know like a 13th century Solomon Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of love that idea. 
Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm certainly intrigued. To yeah, see well, you know, it helped you with uh, being played by Ben Foster, who is a oh, okay. model for Chess Parker in <laughs> the Hexlinger series. <laughs> oh. I, I, I just kind of like, you know, a weird little porcupine of a guy <laughs> who you don't expect to be kicking ass all over the place. Well, and the belief system thing, I think that's that's very interesting to sort of yeah. wrestle with. I mean, a lot of uh, fans of Solomon Kane will say that they enjoy him, yeah. but understand that if he hadn't had his belief system, he just would have been a psychopath. Yeah. And, you know, so like, <laughs> Basically, yeah. No, he's a total you psychopath. <laughs> so so, the, so there's the belief system, a justification, a way of that character being like, well, I know what I am, but I got to filter this through something. Yes. Or, 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 does, or does the belief system drive one to become more so that way? You know, that, 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 that could be a way, that can be a fun thing, I think, to explore. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, yeah, so today's, so one of, one of the characters is going to be this young Jan Zizka kind of person. Um, and then uh, I have... Two other characters, one of whom is a lich on a lich horse, and the other one is a necromancer who keeps bringing him back to life. <laughs> Female necromancer with no nose who keeps bringing him back to life. <laughs> and uh, you know, you sort of like at, at the yeah, no, yeah, too legit to quit. It's like, you know, <laughs> like at the end of the battle, you know, the owl will always be dead, and then. <laughs> <laughs> the noseless one will bring him back to life. <laughs> yeah. And cool. uh and in the middle, probably, I don't know, a Viking. Probably a Viking warrior, you know, who's just you know, there to to basically be like, Well, this is all very weird. Very, very strange and disturbing. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so we've been talking for a while now. Why don't we are there perhaps perhaps there won't be any, but are there any questions from the chat uh, for Gemma or Gemma and I to discuss? The chat is quiet. Okay, no, well, fair enough. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin can just keep raving about. Yeah, okay, Kevin, tell us we're we're both very uh, handsome. Uh, <laughs> just just shower us with compliments. That, that's that's question enough. Yeah, um, amazing. Oh, well, Kevin does have a horror question. All right, oh, okay, uh, Kevin, cool. uh, lay it on us. Let's see if you can do that streamer thing where it like bumps up on the screen. <laughs> but if you can't, that's cool. <laughs> okay. So it's the what's the question? Imagine that there is some like nice on hold music playing while like Kevin is typing. Okay, Kevin asks, yeah. "Your oh hey there we go we got it on screen. Your novel experimental film is part of the subgenre of horror stories about imaginary movies. Do you have any other favorites from that subgenre?" Ah. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yes. There are a bunch of different uh, stories that people have been doing fairly recently um, about. Uh, you know, most most recently, there's an entire anthology of uh, found footage um, horror stories, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, there's um, Sylvia Moreno Garcia did a, a short story um, before, long before she, you know, had her breakout hit with uh, Mexican Gothic, um, which involved uh, a movie, um, <laughs> a, a movie uh, that was sort of part of the, the King in Yellow um, mm. mythology. Uh, and I think it might have been called Yellow, actually. 
Um, and that was pretty amazing. Uh, there's, you know, there's, um, come on, there's uh, Flickr, um, which is a, an entire novel about subliminal, um, about a bunch of cathars putting subliminal uh, <laughs> splices in um, B movies um, and trying to convince people that the, the world is a trick and a trap and they should stop having sex uh, and, and just, you know, drive, drive humanity into the ground. Um, that's really great. Uh, um, in, oh, John Langan um, did an incredible one uh about a uh oh god it's called like dark nights i think um it's an anthology uh edited by ellen datlow strangely enough and it's called something like dark nights something nights um and the the story that john langan has in that is called lost in the dark and it's about a guy who it's told from the point of view of a guy who is um, checking out, uh, interviewing um, the woman who made a found footage movie called Lost in the Dark. Um, and uh, the sort of the background of how she made the movie and where the movie was made and what, the, you know, what this what the real life story that the movie is playing off of was and um yeah, all of that is incredible. Um, oh my God, there's another one that I absolutely love, uh, done fairly recently, which involves um, Riot Girl magazines and uh, Super 8 experimental film, which was uh, written, I think, about th three years after experimental film came out. Um, damn it. I did not expect to be asked these questions, that question. <laughs> I did not expect to be asked this particular question. Um, Kevin, how dare you? But yeah, there's there's a lot of really good stuff. I mean, Night Film, Marisha Pessel, same thing. Um, but yeah, definitely check out uh, Lost in the Dark by John Langan. Because um, that's, yeah, that's a thing and a half. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. And I'm sure that from what you told us, we can Google the other one. But I'll tell you, Riot Girl magazines and Super 8 films. Yeah, I know. I, and I can't harsh. fucking remember who wrote it or who. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis Lawson? Could have been Curtis Lawson. Oh. Anyways, I'm sorry. That's all right. We got some search terms of people we want to dig that one up. I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go hunting for it. And, you know, the recording of this will be up afterward. If I can find out what that book is, I will put it in a comment underneath the video. Please do. Um, so, uh, all right. Well, I you know, it's been about an hour now. I just now. didn't expect it. to be asked about film books. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> film all good. horror. Um, um, actually, the story that I just wrote is 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 also film horror. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so. Do you know what home that story will be having? Is it an upcoming anthology, or is it something? You're yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's coming out in in an upcoming anthology of um, postmodern horror. So it should be interesting. Right. Right, we'll yeah. keep an eye out for that. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time, Gemma. This has been thank really you. lovely. All right. And I pre especially appreciate it because I know you're on some deadlines. So let's let's get you back to that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Get back to work. All uh, right, man. <laughs> always. Always. 24-7. Yeah, and and, and I'll, I'll finally, of course, close by reminding everybody, 
we are here to promote a Kickstarter, folks. Uh, we're so pleased. Uh, if you want to read Gemma's Sword and Sorcery story for New Edge Sword and Sorcery magazine, well, like I said, uh, I haven't looked because I've been doing this interview in the last hour, but we were at 73%, just a couple hundred bucks shy of 75 uh, get on in there. Uh, it, it wraps up at 8 a.m. on Saturday, March 4th. But be kind to me. Get us funded before the Friday night so I can sleep <laughs> going into that Saturday morning. I would just, as a personal favor to me, I'd appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Thanks All right. for your time, Gemma. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay.